0: Two guys, two topics, two opinions. You talk, give me two. This is the split story of the day on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network.
1: Let's get into our split story because there's a lot to to dig into here, and it all goes along with uh, topics uh, that we've really been talking and you've been writing about uh, for uh, for weeks, if not months now, Gordon. Um, uh, Larry Scott went on KTAR down there in Phoenix, a station we know well because uh, uh, an alumna, alumni of the zone uh, is uh, running the ship down there, Ryan Hatch. And uh, they had Larry on, and, and really they, they pressed him pretty good on some things. And so uh, we'll, we'll compare some of his cuts to what John Canzano uh, told us on this show from the Org- Oregonian, and we can try to figure out what's, uh, what's what here. But here is Larry on KTAR in Phoenix talking about how money is being spent.
2: Pac-12 Commissioner Larry Scott, our guest here on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. Here's a couple of, of the more sensitive issues I want to run by, if you don't mind. Uh, number one, the money issue. There's a perception that the Pac-12 has become very wet, wasteful, very top-heavy with the rent that you guys pay in the Bay Area, with bonuses that you awarded before the layoffs. How do you respond to all of that? Do you think the conference has been wasteful? I don't.
3: No, I think there's a perception out there that's just incorrect. Uh, In my view, Um, I think what people have a tough time uh, comparing apples to apples is the other conferences that have conferences and also have their own networks. Their networks are all run by outside entities, so they don't have the headcount. They don't have they don't have rent. uh, They don't have other things, but folks don't seem to be able to make that distinction. Um, And, uh, you know, so as a result, when people look at the Pac-12, we've got 200 people. That work for the Pac-12 networks, and you know the uh, the office space and the technology and everything that goes with that. People kind of lump together. So, um, you know, we're also based in San Francisco. Uh, if you look where some of the other conferences are based, they're in they're in different markets, and that decision to be in the Bay Area certainly preceded me. So there are some there are some differences, um, but we benchmark ourselves every year against the other conferences, against other networks. We've got a rigorous process we go through with our finance committee made up of university presidents and university chief financial officers. And, um, you know, I'm very confident that we're pursuing the mission and the mandate on behalf of our members in uh, at a high level um, in an efficient way. All right.
1: There's Lair, notice, our boy
0: notice Lair. How he did, notice how he did not uh, address the bonus thing. I mean, that, that Convenient. was Convenient. Yeah, that was – I hear he's laying people off and and furloughing people, and he cashes in his bonus. I, I don't know. He he wouldn't. He didn't touch that. At least he didn't in that clip. I don't know if there's anything else where he does.
1: Well, and the overhead argument was was stupid as well because, uh, one, they should have partnered uh, with a with the broadcast network to begin with. Uh, or done everything they could because that was the the smart thing to do as opposed to build a TV station from scratch, which is which is just nuts. But I mean to say, oh, the decision to be in the Bay the Bay Area predated me. Well, Gordon, there's there's living in Salt Lake, and you know uh, there are different parts of this valley, right? That that uh, and there's there's a difference between uh, being right downtown and being in North Salt Lake. Right. Even though they're only a couple miles away. You know, there's a there's a big difference there. I mean, San Francisco, they're in the they're on the uh, the most expensive part of the most expensive city in the country.
0: And let me ask this. How long has Larry Scott been commissioner? It's been over 10 years. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, so just because they were in San Francisco didn't mean especially that part of it, as you described doesn't mean they had to stay there,
1: right?
0: right? I don't know. When they signed the original lease on that property, was it a 10-year deal?
1: Yeah. I mean, I I don't know. Well, let's hear what Canzano had to say on the the subject, uh, Gordon, and then we can kind of chew on it more.
2: Larry Scott, the conference commissioner, if you give him credit for anything, I mean, he's just done a really good job of negotiating his own deal. He's got control of the bonuses. (laughs) So when he bonused himself out and before he laid off and furloughed people— it was, you know, he didn't need approval from the presidents and chancellors to do that. That was already in the fiscal budget. So, you know, he's, he's out now. He's making rounds on radio shows across the Pac-12 footprint, and he's changing the narrative a little bit. He's saying, well, the decision to be in the Bay Area was made before I was hired. And it's true. They were in Walnut Creek with their headquarters. But for people who know the Bay Area, there's a big difference between downtown San Francisco in walnut creek or fremont or sunnyvale when google decided to put its campus in the bay area they didn't go to downtown san francisco they couldn't afford it they went to milpitas and sunnyvale you know 30 to 40 miles away from there where they could afford the real estate and it's it's the pac-12 should not be doing things that google doesn't think are good for business
0: did larry scott ever pay back that loan for his house
2: no he still owes $1. <laughs> $1. 1.9 million dollars has not made a single payment conference gave him the loan interest-free when it hired him he positioned that as well i'm going to have to live in the bay area i'm going to need a loan for my home he you know he saw that as a cost right and so he you know he can't say that he didn't recognize the cost of being in the bay area he chose a home on uh, four acres in blackhawk it's a community that is upscale in danville got a private airstrip next to it He's living nice, and he's got a 1.9 million dollar home that he purchased when he was hired. That's now worth about 600 thousand dollars more than what he paid for it. So there's a nice little bonus that he'll get on the end.
1: Good to be Larry Scott, uh, Gordon. Uh, you heard him mention the the Bay Area thing, which is exactly what uh, Larry said on the on the Phoenix station. I. They have more overhead than other conferences, Gordon. And that's, you know, going back to a decision 10 years ago that they actually may not have had if nobody was interested in partnering with them. Uh, but it, that, that's more of an argument to run a lean ship than than to just spend away, in my opinion. Yes.
0: Yes. I agree. 100 percent. It's fun, You know, I'm just tired. I'm tired of this. Uh, this, this deal where people are asked questions and they don't answer them. You know, they change it to something else. And I wish he would address that, how he hoodwinked or how he backstabbed, really, the, those those employees of the conference uh, to his advantage. I, I He didn't answer that question, and I want an answer to it.
1: Well, I mean, this is this is nothing new for Larry Scott Gordon. You've been in plenty of those press conferences. This is what he does all the time at at the Pac-12 Media Day. I think it was it was either last year or two years ago when he was when he was asked, like, hey, why? Why is football sucking? And we joked about this uh, yesterday. He points at all the other sports that they're doing fine in and saying, oh, see, things are fine. And it's like, no, no, (laughs) that that, conference of champions. Yeah, right. And Uh, it's like that's not answering the question at all. But he he never does that. I mean, he he really doesn't.
0: Let me ask you a question because you were captain of the Skyline debate team, right? Were you captain?
1: Uh, I guess you could call me a captain, I suppose.
0: Okay. So I heard somebody say that a real art to debate is – Changing the answer to the question that you're asked into what it is you want to say, is that true? And is that really the most effective way to debate?
1: Well, I—I I mean, there are entire books written on the most effective ways to debate. So I don't—I don't know if I could could answer you that. I mean, it's a tactic to take. I—I I don't think. But does
0: it's- that score points? It, it seems like a, if if some someone is actually judging what is happening. They can sniff that out in a second, can't they?
1: Uh, it depends on who you're talking to and, and what message you're, you're trying to get out there. I mean, it, it, are you trying to—I mean, if you're asking me about politics, like, are you trying to fan the flames with your base or are you trying to persuade hearts and minds? I there just there are two w- different, very, there are two very different goals, right? And I understand. so it it depends on on who you're actually trying to reach. If you're actually trying to to score points in a uh you know competitive debate, I'd never shy away from the point. Now you may pivot or alter or or change direction uh, that you want the narrative to go, but I I. My particular style was running and hiding was never a, a good way to go.
0: And that seems like, the, the, yeah, if you're trying to impress a judge, then yeah, you you have to answer the question. But but uh, he doesn't maybe, want to answer
1: the question. Yeah, he, he doesn't. I mean, he's not trying to win a debate. He's not trying to do any of that. He's trying to sell what he has. It's and it's a. Um, it might not be great, but he's going to go out there and he's going to sell it. He's not. I, he's he's trying to. Uh, it's not debate; it's PR, and he's not right. particularly good at it.
0: Yeah, I I understand all that. I just I'm telling you, I would have so much respect for him if he addressed every point he was asked, even the tough ones. This is one of the things I used to like about Bronco hall because when he was coach at BYU, especially early on, we used to ask him direct questions about some mistake he made, and he would admit. If he made a mistake on many occasions, I I was standing right there when I heard him say it. He actually looked forward to the tough questions. And I had respect for that, unlike what I'm hearing these days and certainly from Larry Scott there.
1: Well, Bronco, one, had answers. And Bronco had a good thing going at BYU. Even when he made mistakes, he could probably tell that. Uh, Larry, you're not going to like the answers. So he's not going to tell you the answers.
0: Well, that's because his answer is, yeah, I wanted the money. Right. And I didn't so, care about so you else. know what? If
1: I were Larry Scott, I wouldn't. I wouldn't use that answer either. That's a loser for him. Uh, I, uh okay.
0: But every, uh, hopefully, everyone knows that, and hopefully, the presidents know that.
1: Oh, the presidents Ooh. know that. Now, the your your average fan, I'm not so sure.
0: Yeah. Well. Seems like it's pretty easy to understand, and he should be held accountable for that. What else did he say?
1: But wait, real quick before we move on, I mean, it, it, you should you say he should be held accountable to that? Well, if he continues the narrative of there's nothing to be held accountable for, <laughs> that works for him as opposed to, oh yeah, man, I just I I I, I put in a gold plated swimming pool, man. <laughs> no, nobody. Nobody, actually, nobody wants to hear that answer. Yeah, uh, but
0: Jake, I would respect him more if he said, "Who doesn't want an extra two million dollars or whatever it was?" You know, I mean, who who doesn't want that? If he would at least address it honestly, uh, I, I I just can't stand this avoidance complex.
1: Well, I mean, he's not out to earn your respect, unfortunately. I think he's out to put a couple more mil in his pocket before he gets asked to leave at this point.
0: <laughs> and that's probably the other part of it.
1: Do uh, Austin, do we have time to do another one, or do you want to do another one right around the corner? You want to do one more? All right. Uh, here's Larry uh, on KTAR talking about his job security. All right. There's also a, a,
2: a adjacent speculation, if you will, that, that maybe your reign as PAC-12 commissioner is coming to an end. W- what do you think about those rumors? Do they hamper your ability uh, to do your job? Do you feel like you've lost support of your bosses? Not at all. No. I know.
3: Uh, look, there's a lot of rumor and speculation, and that just goes with the territory in a very public-facing role. Um, And it's true of commissioners and and other leagues as well. So it goes with the territory. I've been in commissioner roles for a couple of decades now at the Pac-12 and before, so I understand it goes with the territory. But, um, no, it has not been a factor at all in uh, my ongoing work for the Pac-12 and my relationship with our board. All right.
1: There's uh, Larry's comment on it. Let's now hear John Canzano from the Oregonian from our show the other day.
2: He's positioned himself now as, look, I'm not the czar. I'm not in charge here and if you listen to him talk, you know, he's talking about a lot of decisions that were made collectively and I'm just more or less he's acting as if he were the spokesperson, but we know that's not the act that a good commissioner casts. In the Big 12 with Bob, you know, Bill Bolsby and and in the SEC with Greg Sankey, you've got leaders who uh care a lot about the campuses, who spend a lot of time on those campuses, who understand those campuses. Larry Scott's contract is up in the summer of 2022. I believe that the commissioner will be uh, probably out of work uh, sometime next spring. I think they have to move on him before the negotiations for the media rights deals begin, and those rights deals begin in 2024. So you have to give yourself uh, sort of a lead-up in there, and he's going to say – you know, I'm just following the directives of the chancellors and the presidents, but what the PAC 12 needed was real leadership. He just hasn't brought it. I think the next commissioner will be a correction for that. It'll be somebody very tied to campuses, somebody who's got experience leading conferences. Wouldn't be surprised to see the PAC 12 go after a Bob Bowlsby in the Big 12 and try to bring him back, you know, he started at Stanford. So, I think there's some opportunities there for the presidents and chancellors to, to fix this and get it right.
1: See, I think this is where John really hits the nail on the head. And and really his contrast to Larry Scott's answer is is really really interesting because I don't know if people notice this stuff, but yeah, Larry has Oh, I just uh, excited to work with these presidents and chancellors and even right down to his uh, press conferences involving the COVID-19 situation where he's on those. uh, It's not like I'm Larry Scott and I'm taking the bull by the horns. It's, oh, uh, let's talk to this athletic director and let's talk to to this expert right here where it's not, you know, it's it's almost like he's passing the buck when I think John's really right. The, The the job requires real leadership.
0: My experience with Larry Scott and asking him questions, he, Rome is burning and he doesn't even, uh, he he doesn't acknowledge it, you know, and that's, that reminded me of that when I heard that he said that he's, he's not in hot water at all with his bosses, Uh, the way he described it, it sounds like they love him.
1: Well, there's no way that's that's true. Well, he's got new bosses. These aren't there's only two left of the bosses that hired him. So, you know, I would guess that he's not there's no way he could be on as firm a footing as he has been in the past. There's no way that's true.
0: Well, I don't think I don't know how you can look at the evidence, look at the results and be happy with it. But he it's the same tune. It's the same tune that John is describing there. You ask him a question, and he's not grounded in reality. Remarkable.
1: Yeah, and um, I don't know. It's not the way that I would try to save my job. I mean, I, I would definitely try to make a, a more commanding presence and as opposed to worrying so much about the blame. I'd concentrate on what we're going to do now. But that, that's something Larry's done throughout his, his tenure. Where John uh, told us the other day about a good buddy of his that they've given over a million dollars to to consult him on PR matters. I mean, right. he's, he's really concerned about the narrative, right down to interference one way or another in, in how the league is covered. Uh, was it at the L.A. Times where they tried to basically buy a yes. beat writer? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, right down to, to giving John all this access so that he'd, he'd come down and write a fa- favorable column about how great they are. You know, right. it's, it, he's so worried about that part of the job that he's, he's not doing the job. The job requires somebody to, to lead it strongly in one way or another because you're herding cats. It's like Football Friday with Alema and Mac. Your, 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 your whole job is to coordinate 12 different universities. I mean that's that's hard stuff. Even even the the uh, the walking hairdo Craig Thompson never passed the buck to the presidents and chancellors. He took a lot of heat, but he never hid behind anybody.
0: I get back to what John said. You got to be strong, and you got to be strong in leadership, not in crying about defending yourself or trying to spin the truth into some sort of favorable public relations. Oh, i okay. that's, that's not strength. No, look at the problems that the conference is facing and be smart enough, have the acumen to put solutions in
1: place. Yeah. You know, I'll give Craig Thompson, in hindsight, given all these years later, I'll give Craig Thompson a lot of credit. He came on this radio station a lot during the Mountain Network days and he would he would come on and he would face the music and he would try to give you the best answer he could and maybe it wasn't what what you wanted to hear necessarily but he was never full of it never felt like he was trying to sell it he right. had a tough and job. But he never hid from it, because at that point, Gordon, and you know this, Salt Lake was the belly of the beast for the Mountain West Conference. It was the biggest market. It had two of the big name schools, and it was the it was kind of the the centerpiece. And so he came right into the, you know, right into face the music. Tough questions from the the great Gordon Monson. And in hindsight, I, I admire him a little bit more than I did at uh, when it was transpiring.
0: And let me add to that private conversations with Craig, he would be very open and honest. And uh, yeah, I can't see Larry Scott ever reaching that point.
1: I want to remind you about our friends at Action Plumbing, Heating, and Electrical. Mention this ad and receive $33 off any service. Call today, 801-833-3333. That's 801-833-3333, Action Plumbing. And by the way, I know that San Diego is a bigger market than Salt Lake City, but in the old Mountain West days, Gordon, what was the care factor for San Diego State?
0: Uh, Zero. Let, me say it, let me say it this way. I was down there for games covering the Utes and the Cougars, and I remember before one game we were at uh, the old Jack Murphy Stadium, whatever they were calling it at the time, Qualcomm or whatever, and it was 10 minutes before kickoff, and there was no hardly anybody in the stadium.
1: Yeah. All right. Kind of the final clip we're going to dive into. It talks specifically about issues involving the Pac-12 network and uh, what's going on with that. Larry, you mentioned earlier the, the, the Pac-12 network. Uh, and obviously, it, and you're well aware, that's been one of the things that you've been criticized most about is the inability to get it on DirecTV. Uh, but with the layoffs, with the fact that with the truncated schedule, there won't be any football games on Pac-12 networks uh, I- until that week seven. Uh, are, are we led to believe with everything in that, in that scenario that the Pac-12 network is hanging on by a thread? And if, if you could do it all over again, would you have approached the construction of that network any differently?
3: Yeah. Well, first of all, this year is a unique year. Um, so we're, we're going to have slightly more than half the football games we normally have. We're going to have less basketball games that we normally have. So what we're doing this year to maximize exposure, maximize revenue, uh, for the members is like uh, like most businesses trying to figure out a way through this year in the most efficient way possible. Um, so the the short people shouldn't read too much into the short term and what makes sense when you've got less games mm-hmm. um, than you normally have and, and the best way to deal with that. Um, and also, you we're, we're trying to be as efficient as possible. And unfortunately, that's led to layoffs. Uh, that's led to furloughs. Um, like most of our campuses are dealing with and most of our athletics departments are dealing with in different ways. So we're trying to carry out the most important priorities on behalf of our members, but also be good stewards of the resources and, and tighten our belts. And have to make some tough decisions, unfortunately, uh, with people as part of that process. Uh, But we're trying to align with the general approach of our campuses and our um, members' athletics departments. Um, In terms of the network itself, it's achieved a lot of what its objectives were. Um, we have 850 events. We give more exposure uh, to our sports than any other conference is able to. Um, provides a lot of, you know, great storytelling and exposure. It has not reached its full potential for sure in terms of distribution. and I know the direct TV issue has been a huge uh, irritant for fans that have it and weren't willing to switch to the several other networks in every market that have it. Um, and so, yeah, it hasn't reached its full potential in a, in a, in a challenging market. Uh, but the value of our underlying rights, keeping control, the fact that all our rights are going to become available in 2024, I think will put us in a much more advantageous position than other leagues that you know, have sold their rights to media companies uh, for the next decade or so. Um, so uh, I think over time, um, the approach that we took will – you know, be very beneficial for the members has already provided tremendous benefit in a lot of respects for many of our sports. Uh, but, it, you know, I realize it hasn't reached its full potential and it's been, you know, uh, really bothersome uh, for fans. And, uh, you know, that, you know, one major carrier hasn't picked it up. Uh, if we you do it over again, which is part of your question, mm-hmm. you know, we, um, if we were going to have a network, um, you know, there was no guarantee that we'd get on every carrier. Um, so you know uh, hindsight's always 2020. I'm sure there are things we could have done differently. might have made different tradeoffs, uh, but there's certainly been a lot of benefits our members have gotten by having the network. And I think what we'll see in 2024 is um, the wisdom of keeping our rights and owning and controlling this ourselves and being able to adapt to a rapidly changing media landscape. Where there's now a lot of streaming, a lot of tech companies involved, uh, the benefit of what we've done and controlling our rights will become apparent to everyone. All
1: right, that was Larry Scott on K T A R. Could, could that guy hold Still off holding...
0: on? Oh, go ahead.
1: Could that guy hold off on Eaton for just a minute? <laughs> <laughs> you got the commissioner of the Pac-12 on the phone. Do you really need to be?
0: I'm telling you, it's a... <laughs> the host is over <laughs> there. <laughs> When you uh, got a hankerin', you got a hankerin', man. It's like uh, it's like the uh, Snickers bar
1: commercials. We, um, we take three breaks an hour. I'm sure there's something he, similar. Let me just hey, hold the phone. Larry Scott's on the phone. I mean, he might not be a real popular commissioner, but he is the dern commissioner of the Pac-12. I think you could hold off ingesting those pork rinds or whatever for <laughs> ten minutes. <laughs>
0: Well, so Larry, be uh, it for me tell me about to,
1: the, <laughs> the Pac-12 network.
0: Larry, I'm having a late lunch, buddy. Uh, anyway,
1: uh, anywho. <laughs> uh, it's I, the, I,
0: I can appreciate that. But Larry is still hanging on to that, oh, the future is brighter BS.
1: Yeah, it's still the same spin. I, that's interesting. Because, John, uh, and we're going to play Canzano's clip. In fact, let's get to it. But, yeah, same stuff from Larry, no doubt. Here's John.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think we look back to the narrative that they have – created in the narrative they've created is that they were forward-thinking, that they wanted to own their own rights and all of that, but I talked to people who were there when the network was formed. The Pac-12 had no choice. They tried with ESPN, they tried with Fox, they even tried with the Discovery Channel, Shark Week or whatever it is, and there were no takers. Nobody was interested in the Pac-12 network or the Pac-12 content at that time. And so the Pac-12 decided to set out on its own, and the problem being that none of the presidents or chancellors, none of the people involved at conference headquarters had ever started a network before. So they made some mistakes. Obviously, we've all seen those, distribution included. And, you know, it's really been a mixed bag. And now, you know, as you pointed out as I was coming on, they've got no inventory now. All these games that are on the schedule currently prior to championship weekend are all going to be on ESPN or Fox or FS1. The championship game on December 18th will be carried by Fox. So that leaves five games that the Pac-12 network will maybe be in play for. But I'm told ESPN, ABC will get first crack at those games. So it's going to be leftovers, maybe one or two games at most for the Pac-12 network this season. So I think it's, it's pretty disappointing from, from a network standpoint.
0: So, John, why? Why did none of the networks want to uh, partner up with the Pac-12 in that regard?
2: I just think that you look at the national landscape, and we all care about Pac-12 sports. I care about it. I want it to be good. I watch it. But there just isn't an appetite nationally in in the same way that the SEC or the Big Ten in particular, and maybe a lot of the Big 12 schools currently, they've got a real passion for their teams. You look at the sizes of the stadiums. Stadiums in the Big Ten and in the SEC are larger than most of the stadiums in the Pac-12. You look at the fan bases, even with direct TV mess. We're all frustrated by it. Can you imagine LSU and Alabama fans and Georgia fans if they were told their games weren't going to be available on DirecTV? They would have thrown Molotov cocktails through the windows. So I just think it's a supply-demand thing, and the Pac-12 is viewed largely by those networks as a leftover or an add-on. And, and if they were going to partner with the Pac-12 Uh, That would be one thing, but I think they were far more interested in just carrying some games, and that's ultimately what they decided to do. They didn't want to televise all of the Olympic sports or the women's basketball. There's just no demand for that.
1: That was John Canzano uh, from talking about his reporting from our show on Tuesday, Austin. Is that correct, Tuesday? So telling a very different story than Larry Scott. In fact, saying the narrative Larry Scott uses is actually false and kind of a lie.
0: Yeah, yeah. And we spent a lot of time on that the other day, but Jake, the very thing, the very sort of uh, uh, the best part of what the Pac-12 Network has accomplished, is the part that the networks that might have partnered with them wanted nothing to do with.
3: Yeah,
0: I mean you heard Larry Scott brag about that, and (laughs) but that's that's what uh, you know took their legs out from under them. I don't know, I. This whole thing has been screwed up from the beginning, and I believe what John Canzano said, that uh, nobody over there had really started a network before and they didn't know what they were doing.
1: Yep, and nobody wanted a piece of it. Nobody thought it was going to be lucrative uh, enough to invest in. And and Larry uh, Scott talks about how the the other leagues don't have to pay rent or for facilities or all those sorts of things. Well, that's all all the reasons that they were looking for a partner in the first place. Yes. So, yeah. Um, you know, And I don't know how much the, the ideologue gets in there, too, because there is that with Pac-12, right, where they uh, value the Olympic sports and want to put those on TV. and And I get those kind of values, I suppose, coming from university presidents. They're not business CEOs. They're presidents of universities, and so that's always going to come into play. But how much did that— you know, push away ESPN because they don't want to broadcast any of that stuff. So uh, there's well, a lot of uh, unanswered questions, certainly.
0: The president, yeah, and that's what Larry was bragging about. That's what I was referring to earlier. Look at what we can show on our network. Well, the very things that uh, major networks want nothing to do with.
1: So, which, it, which he's it, talking to his bosses right there. He's not talking to the fans. Well, and, it, and certainly bilking uh, Pac-12 fans to pay, you know, for television packages that air the Pac-12 network. And uh, basically ripping them off by not putting on the programming they want to see.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's remarkable to hear Larry Scott spin stuff. I mean, he does it almost every time. Um, But I don't know. Maybe I can understand to some extent why he does that. It's just that I could accept hearing that if I got some truth mixed in to a point where it was useful. You know, and I, I don't, I don't feel like he's still hanging on to the the uh, the flexibility that they have, the freedom they have moving forward, and how profitable that's going to be. Uh, how about while we're young? You know, when's it going to be that?
1: Well, what Larry's doing is he's he's I don't want to say personally trying to take away somebody like Canzano's uh, credibility, but. But that's essentially what he's trying to do. He's saying, oh, well, that's fake news. That, that didn't exist. Uh, we're doing fine. And in fact, our, our vision is going to pay off in 2022. Mm. I mean, that's that's what he's selling. He's, he's he doesn't view the, the truth as an asset, Gordon. He views, uh, well, our our vision, I guess, of the truth as the enemy.
0: Well, I, I just I'm not I'm trying to find room to believe what Larry is saying. And I, 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 I haven't seen it in the past, and I'm not sure I see it in the future. As he talks about these things, what is going to attract uh, interest and money in the future uh, that's different from what we've seen in the past? What's going to make it different? Are these other platforms that he's talking about going to be so hungry for programming that they're going to shovel out a bunch of money for it?
1: Well, that's, that's what he's always played. And I, I bought into it at, uh, at the beginning. We talked about this the other day, is that they're going to have 100 percent of their rights and they can go sell that to you know or a portion of that to whoever they want. Maybe it's but Amazon, maybe something. maybe it's Twitter, maybe it's Facebook, you know, maybe it's uh, ESPN streaming platform, I don't know. But that's that's what they're saying. The, the, the tertiary rights to the Pac-12 games, which is what the Pac-12 basically airs, I mean, there's not a tremendous amount of value in that, I wouldn't think, or at least not value that you can go out and add more. I mean, he's got to be talking about the streaming rights, and they do own 100% of that. So how do you parlay that? And how much are they actually worth?
0: Well, weren't they going to team up with some network in China? <laughs>
1: uh, I think there were talks of that, yeah. Isn't that why, uh, uh, we, uh, who's the middle ball? Not Lonzo. It was a Lomelo? LiAngelo's the young one. It was Lamelo, wasn't he over there? They were in China when he stole those sunglasses. That's and, right. But that was part of the whole Pac-12 that's, Chinese yep. market thing mm-hmm. that was going on, right? Yep. Uh, I don't if know I, if that was selling all their streaming to a, to a Chinese company. I don't know if that was ever on the table. I don't want to slander anybody here.
0: All I know is when I hear these questions asked of Larry Scott, I feel like they're interviewing a guy selling Dr. Goods, you know, uh, some kind of ointment that's going to make you feel better. But, I, I just,
1: but don't you feel that way when you're interviewing anyone, anyone to a certain extent?
0: And he is defensive, but this is the way he's always been. Every interview I've ever heard with him. I've never heard him step up to the plate and just drive something right over the center field fence.
1: Well, he's not uh, playing left-handed against little kids. (laughs) It was who did that? Sweet, who did that? It was, it who, was
0: such a sweet hit. Who, I, it, I mean, I just drilled it right down the right field line, and it was. And it those was six-year-olds
1: bawled. It, it wasn't they,
0: six-year-olds.
1: They cried, and and Gordon got back in his Trans Am and went back to high school. <laughs>
0: Not true. They're waiting for me at Burger King. Uh, I myself was young at the time. Some friends of mine asked me to play baseball, and they were a year younger, so they told me I had to bat left-handed, and uh, I hit a grand slam. Oh, Not a chance, I still, man, Listen, I swear to you this is true. Not a chance. I swear. You guys have trust issues. You know, I wonder I'm, why. <laughs> I got a letter from Casey Case. It said I'm a fan. I didn't get an invitation to go to the Playboy Mansion. I got taught how to play polo <laughs> by Juice Newton. The stories that I tell are ninety nine point five percent, one hundred percent factual. <laughs> every moved. one of those stories, every one of those stories was absolutely true. Unlike Larry Scott, none of the details in the stories were maybe embellished. Like the story no. is, is true, maybe, but it wasn't Juice Newton that taught you how to play polo. No, it was Juice Newton.
1: And you it weren't. And you weren't a year older in this case. You were like babysitting the kids, and they invited you to play. <laughs> Not true. Not Did true. you truck the catcher at home in the inning before? <laughs> Quick, we got to get this game in before your mom gets home.
0: <laughs> Not true. <laughs> Not true at all. It was such a. It was really a good pitch. But it was one I could hit, and I just drove that sucker. And
1: And they um, cried and cried. (laughs) And then I took their lollipop. (laughs) Oh, man. You're taking
0: away my life's highlights. The the
1: pitcher had just gotten his training wheels off, was excited (laughs) to ride his bike home after the game.
0: (laughs) And then I went and got my train. Come
1: on. (laughs) Stay tuned. More Big Show next. (laughs) 97.5 and 1280 of The Zone. (laughs)